0: Hello friends. This is the Tarts Friends Church podcast. We are Jesus people, Kingdom of God people, welcoming, yearning, sharing. And we're glad you're connecting here with us. We'd love to connect in person as well. If you're inclined to support this podcast or for more information, just hop on over to neatartsfriends.org. That's NeatArtsFriends.org. Let's jump into today's sermon. My brother and I shared a room all growing up. And I was always the neat one, and my brother was always the messy one. His side of the room often looked like a bomb. had just gone off his bed, his floor, his desk, his dresser. It was constantly strewn with... Random odds and ends, like unfolded clothing items, who knew if they were dirty or clean, crumpled papers with random drawings, who knew if he intended to keep them, strange, unidentifiable items that had been picked up in random locations that may or may not be deemed precious. He was perfectly content to let the mess sit. And I, on the other hand, wasn't. So I would take all of the mess and I would shove it under the bed or shove it all under his bed sheets or shove it all into the closet and close the door. So I went into marriage thinking that I was the clean one, only to find out that actually I'm the messy, disorganized one just in different ways than my brother. And, and that's the real truth of the matter. It's that actually we are all organized in different ways and disorganized in different ways. In some areas of life, we can handle a certain amount of chaos and disarray, disorder. But in other areas of life, we need a high amount of order. So, you might be someone who doesn't seem to notice if the kitchen is piled high with dirty dishes and the bedroom is full of dirty laundry. But if someone moves a few of your favorite fishing lures in the garage, you might be sure to notice. Or maybe you're someone who you can't handle the tall forks and the short forks going in the same slot in the silverware drawer. That just drives you nuts. But... Even though you are organized about that kind of stuff, the truth is somewhere else, there's another corner of your life where things are in disarray and they are in chaos. And if the disorder can't be found in your external world, often it means that you're probably compensating for how chaotic and disordered your internal, internal world is. In some areas of life we can handle a certain amount of chaos and disorder but in other areas We need a high amount of order So whether you call yourself messy or whether you call yourself organized We humans have a drive to keep order the ironic thing about my brother and I uh that's that's me stacking the wood, organizing. Um, the ironic thing is that with my brother's mess, just because everything appeared to be sitting in an apparently random location, it did not mean that there wasn't a certain rigidity, a certain order to the chaos. And this isn't just him. I think this is true for many people. If I moved one of his guitar pedals or changed the tilt on one of his drums or picked up and moved one of his precious but unidentifiable objects, I would be sure to hear about it. And So, this is just how it is that we know where to find the things that are most important to us. We itemize things, we alphabetize things, we systematize things, we stack things, we build boxes and shelves and drawers and categorize and label, and we remember the most important things to us and where they are and how to find them. And we don't just do this with the stuff we own. We do the same thing with God. We organize God. In our own unique ways, we all try to put God inside of a box, one kind or another. And that can be hard to admit, It doesn't feel all that great to admit that you put God in a box, but I think it's part of being human. I'm a Christian pastor, and I fully admit that there are ways that I have God in a box. I may or may not be fully aware of all the ways I do that, but I do it. And you may or may not be fully aware of all the ways you put God in a box, but you do it too. And sure, there might be some areas of your thinking where you can handle a little God mess, a a little mystery, a high degree of openness. But we all have our need for order. And so in one way or another, we all put God in a box. Part of being human is that we want to understand things. And so we try and reduce everything to terms that we can grasp. And we reduce God into manageable ideas and human dimensions. We like categories, this or that, either or, in or out. We like absolutes. We like certainty. We like boundaries. We like systems. We don't like to feel out of control. We have a need to make sense of our experience. We have a need to feel like we know what we can expect. And so for a lot of people... They feel like they're almost doing God a service if they if they can get things figured out about God. They feel like they're cleaning up their spiritual bedroom and putting things into order. And so in one way or another, we box God in. We aren't all rigid in the same ways, but we are all rigid in some way. It might be holding on to something that a religious authority said to you back when. Of course, it certainly is easier to get along with other Christians if everyone you know is kinda keeping God in the same box and using the same vocabulary. It's easier to get along with people. It might be that you box God in by coming up with rules that govern the universe and then imagining that God has to play by those rules. Or it might be in acting like you understand why things happen the way they did, holding God responsible for things that God may or may not be responsible for. It might be expecting God to only act in specific ways, discounting anything else. Well, God only does this kind of stuff. It might be discounting the multitude of ways that God is showing up In people, environments, situations that are just outside of your box, like that couldn't be God. Uh, God couldn't be working in those kinds of people or in that church or in that community. The scribes that in Jesus' day, first century, they boxed God in by believing that they had the one right interpretation of Scripture. You might do that sometimes, like, well, I'm certain I know what that verse means. It might be limiting God to two choices like an either or as this or that a for or against an us or them as if God didn't create a multi-dimensional world where there's always another angle always another dimension as if God is not completely other as if God is not bigger than the categories or boxes that you can come up with for some people. This entire topic probably makes them kind of uh, bristly because they claim to be anti-box. Their spiritual bedroom looks a lot like my brother's bedroom. Things are strewn everywhere. They claim to not have any boxes. Uh, But that doesn't mean that they aren't rigid. If someone starts trying to bring some order... We're saying, uh, here, I think that we can put this away. I think we can clean this up a bit. They're highly resistant, and their chaos is their order. For some people, their box doesn't have to do with God's love for the world. It has to do with their own self-hatred. Like, yeah, God, sure, God might love the whole world, but they simply cannot conceive of a God who's just giddy with love for them because there's so little that they like about themselves. They just feel like, man, I'm the glitch in the universe. I'm the anomaly. I'm the wrinkle. When Moses met God on Mount Sinai, the first commandment that God gave to the people of Israel, the, the people named for wrestling with God, like, what's your identity? You are the people who wrestle with God. The first commandment is, put away all false images of God. And I tend to think that's probably still highly relevant for us. We could read it today as, untape the box that you have God inside of. Let the flaps open up and air out. Allow for the possibility that God is not only inside your box, God is outside of your box. Or if you claim to be an anti-box person, maybe we would say it this way. Let go of the rigidity that refuses to allow someone to bring some kind of order to your spiritual bedroom. And says, I do think God has this kind of a characteristic. Someone that uh, just refuses to let anyone move anything in their spiritual bedroom might also be projecting a clearer vision of God. The philosopher and mathematician Pascal, he said, God made man in his own image and man returned the favor. And that's often very true. We go on and on for centuries projecting our own thoughts and feelings and attitudes onto God. It's just something humans do. We treat God like a Rorschach inkblot, where we we think we're seeing God, but we're seeing a reflection of ourselves. The story of the Bible is a story of people who continue to wrestle with God and with their image of God. They think they understand God, only for it to come to light that actually they had boxed God in, in some way. They still didn't have the clearest and truest image of God. Their view of God was still a projection of themselves, still a projection of their fear. It was not yet a completely clear image of the God who is love. The prophet Isaiah said it this way, He said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, thus saith the Lord, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, So that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. And the mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, and instead of briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Perhaps where you see thorns and curses and improbabilities and impossibilities and evil and empty and punishment and storms, Perhaps that's where God sees potential for growth and joy and peace. The Apostle Paul says it this way. He says, now we are looking in a mirror that gives only a dim or a blurred reflection of reality as in a riddle or an enigma. But then, when perfection comes, we shall see in reality and face to face. Now I know in part. Imperfectly, but then I shall know and understand fully and clearly, even in the same manner as I have been fully and clearly known and understood by God. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Perhaps putting things in boxes is part of being human. And perhaps the solution isn't as simple as Well, you need to trade in your small God-box for a big, broad God-box. Perhaps until we see God face-to-face, we will not see completely, clearly. But what if God is larger, and different, and other, and outside of any box you can put God into? And what if God's goal is not for you to have a chaotic, messy spiritual bedroom? but for you to recognize your own limited view, for you to continue to look at the world through the lens of love. What if God is already at work in the world and in every person in ways that are outside of your box? And what if the love of God is always somehow beyond the box you think? It fits inside. The psalmist says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, as vast as the universe, so great is the love of God. Thank you for joining us for a Sunday sermon from NETARTS Friends Church. We hope you'll join us soon for one of our in-person worship gatherings. For more information, hop on over to netartsfriends.org. God's peace be with you, friends.